Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security, and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. I am Clive Enever, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Elizabeth Claymont about the fiercely unstoppable life, lead with purpose, leave a legacy. Elizabeth Claymont studied holistic nutrition and naturopathic medicine at Clayton College of Health and studied psychology at Louisiana Baptist University. She is the founder of the Claymont Group, where she drives fiercely unstoppable life consulting and coaching. And she is an, an international best-selling author of Beauty Rising from Brokenness. Now, I can see that there's plenty in that for me to probe. Hello, Elizabeth, and welcome. Hi, how are you today? Absolutely top of the world. Thank you, Elizabeth. That's an interesting story there and I'm really driven to find out how that all started. Which part? (laughs) (laughs) Let's start at the start. Now I understand that a lot of this was driven by uh, a decade and a half ago or so you had a, a serious coming together with a couple of motor cars or similar. Yes, I absolutely did. I came through a a recovery from my childhood, which is what my first book is about, and living through a a very dysfunctional family and dysfunctional um, childhood and traumatic childhood and got through all of that and healed physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, walked through all my naturopathic healing techniques and got back on my feet and through my depression and my anger and my anxiety. And then six months later, we were traveling back from vacation and had a semi-truck stop in front of us at rush hour traffic on a Friday afternoon. We were towing a 5,000-pound camper. And semi-trucks have 18 wheels and 18 brakes, but campers and trucks do not. (laughs) So he hit his brakes, and my husband stomped on both on the brake with both feet. And I caught that out of the corner of my eye and I thought, you can't stop like that. And the next thing I know, it was metal crunching and smoke and airbags and screaming and yelling. And then the camper hit us. And then our daughters who were 16 and 18 at the time were following us. They hit the camper and the camper hit us again. So every vehicle we had was like one big metal accordion crushed between two vehicles. That's an interesting picture in the mind of uh, a number of vehicles uh, looking like an accordion. Yes. Yeah. Just all, you know, and they, they say those, we were in a full size suburban and they say they have crumple zones. They really do have crumple zones because it crumpled at every place it was supposed to, but the engine and the transmission and everything were, was down under our feet because we hit the back of that truck so hard and, you know, cause you just don't slow down a fully loaded camper that fast. And my no, husband and had to. Uh, 
that's a very handy uh, promotional tip for that uh, particular type of vehicle because that's what they're supposed to do, of course, is push the yes. the really hard stuff underneath the vehicle in the event of yes. it coming together. And I, you know, I really do think Chevy should pay me to do a commercial for them. <laughs> I could be a really good, I could, I could be a really good spokesperson for Chevy because <laughs> it worked exactly like it was supposed to. The problem was that also the doors were crunched together and we could not get out of the vehicle. So my husband had to crawl through the seats and kick out the back window and crawl out pull our son out, who was 11, who was in the back seat, and then came back and told me to get out. And I was in such a state of shock, I couldn't even figure out how to unbuckle my seatbelt. So he had to crawl back in, unbuckle me, explain to me how to get out of the car, because in my head, my son was still screaming in the back seat. But my son was never screaming in the back seat. It was me that was screaming. I was just in shock and didn't realize it was me screaming. <laughs> Yeah, they're frightening things, uh, of course. But um, that, of course, uh, prompted you to to do some extraordinary things. I understand. Well, after I, you know, I spent five days in the hospital on the cardiac ward with a broken sternum and endured, I think, something like I forget, I'm up to ten or twelve surgeries now as a result of that accident. I just, I call it a, a continual repair and replacement. Uh, it just keeps going and they just keep either repairing something or replacing something that, that broke. And I spent 12 years disabled and bedridden from that accident. And that was a very long and difficult journey trying to figure out because I knew I had been called to speak and to write but when I'm laying in bed going, this does not add up, <laughs> how am I supposed to do that when I'm seeing this? And it was just a day, you know, just one day at a time. And what really got me was the last surgery that I had. Um, I just had a terrible time coming out of the anesthesia and recovering. And I was, uh, they could not control my pain because I was on so much pain medication. I was on, you'll love that your audience will, will really find this shocking. I was on 120 of those strongest Percocets a month, plus 30 Dilaudids for breakthrough pain. And they could not control my pain after that surgery. And I blew three IVs and I was going into shock from the pain. And they were trying to get my husband to take me home. Because they kept saying, well, the insurance won't let her stay past 24 hours. And he's like, I'm not taking her home. If you can't control her pain here, what am I supposed to do with her at home? And I just had this moment of clarity. And I just looked at him and I went, I'm done. I'm not doing it their way anymore. I know I, I, I have this education. I'm going to use it. And I, when I got home from that surgery and recovered, I made a plan to get off of that medication and to get my life back and to start doing what I felt I was called to do, which was speak and write and coach. So let's just explore that a little bit further because as you and I are having this conversation right now, almost the entire world is in lockdown because of COVID-19. Lots of people will be 
discovering that they have a different calling to what they've been involved in or alternatively that a different way of approaching it and and every variation in between what was it do you think that allowed you to identify this is my turn and this is what I'm here to do and so on I just really I went in 2002 I went to a women's conference and I just really felt like that speaking and empowering women and entrepreneurs and and businesses was just what I was supposed to do. I had done speaking throughout my career in different jobs that I'd had. And I had, I've had, I've been an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur since I was 13. I started my first direct sales business at 13. I couldn't even get sign up with them. I, they had to sign up under my mother's name so that I could do, so I could sell it. And my husband is career military. So every time we move, I start a new business. So I've, I've had catering businesses. I've had direct sales businesses. And I just really felt like I could take all of that knowledge and use that to help other people discover why they're here. What is their purpose? What is their reason for being here? And how can they serve man? And I, that's my thing too, is I've been through all of this. There has to be a reason. There's got to be a reason and a purpose that I've been through all these difficult things. And I really feel like it's so that I can help somebody else so that I can turn around and go, I know I've been there and I'll walk with you through it and help you get to where you're supposed to be. So that is just the drive of my life. Not to mention, I'm also from Louisiana originally. So I have some Cajun stubbornness in me as well. So you can, you know, you can kick me, but you can't keep me down. (laughs) (laughs) I like it because I mentioned uh, uh, you having written a book whilst uh, during the in my introduction of you, and you mentioned a first book. How many books have you written, and what are they all about? I have written um, Beauty Rising from Brokenness, which is about my um, my journey through childhood trauma and how it caused chronic illness in my 30s, which a lot of people don't realize that. You you bury all that stuff and you don't deal with it and then it hits you and it comes up and you've got to deal with it. And it often comes out in chronic illness. For me, it was severe asthma and bronchitis and, um, and, and chronic fatigue syndrome. And so I... Went through that, dealt with that. So that's what my first book is about, is about my journey healing from that those childhood traumas. And then I've co-authored um, three other books that um, all of them are bestsellers. A uh, couple of them are international bestsellers. And then I have two books that, I, that are a collection of um, chronic illness articles, um, natural healing for chronic illness and one that's on natural um, stress relief, which is probably a really good thing for people right now. And it's free on my website. If they'll go to my website, they can get that book for free. It's called Remember the Butterfly Effect, How Everything Affects Everything, How Stress Affects Your Health. That's the um, butterfly flapping its wings in uh, the Amazon, was it? And uh, creates a typhoon 
somewhere? Yes, somewhere. I think Japan or somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. somewhere around, around there. But uh, no, absolutely. Uh, particularly at this time uh, with a lot of people undergoing things that they're not used to, uh, like being locked up in... Well, we're not locked up, but we're, we're invited to stay home. So it's a bit different to the normal going out to work. A lot of people might be finding that difficult. So good on you for writing such a book. And I feel but, like this is, you know, I, this is what I've been preparing for, this whole lockdown. You know, I was locked down for 12 years, dis- disability. I homeschooled our kids um, part of the way through their schooling. So I brought them home from school and did the homeschool. So I kind of feel like, hey, I'm here. I've been there, done this. So <laughs> just come talk to me. I can help you. <laughs> <laughs> well, experience is what we need to uh, to coach and to educate others so that they can understand that they can do it too. Yes. But what you've described, of course, is... Uh, well, pretty extreme, having had uh, a serious accident, which has left you bedridden for 12 years. And then all of a sudden, woohoo, we're up and we're going again. Well, it's not all of a oh, sudden. I don't know that it was so <laughs> It wasn't just woohoo and I jumped up. That's what I tell people. I'm like, I, I believe God could heal you, but he didn't choose to do that with me. I had to work for it. And people ask me all the time, how did you get from 12 years till you stand on a stage and and give keynote speeches for 45 minutes now. And I got out of the bed and I sat in the chair for a half hour and then I went back to bed and then I stood for a half hour and then I got on the exercise bike for three minutes. And then, you know, so it was just a gradual building process. And it's been the same thing with this business too. It's been a gradual starting with a blog and then moving into some consulting and then just slowly adding things as I felt my body was able to, and my brain was able to comprehend all of it. I wish I could have just went, woohoo, I'm up, but. (laughs) And do you think that that's the same sort of process that, that people uh, can follow regardless of what the exercise is. If I'm going to start a business. Can I just jump in there and do it? Or should we do things gently and the same with everything else? I think you, you have to have a plan. I mean, I, I am big on having a plan, making a plan, writing the plan down, just like getting off of all that medication. That's what I did. I got a notebook and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do this for for a month, and then I'm going to add this. And then I'm going to do this for a month, and I'm going to add this. And I think you have to break it down into steps. It's easy to see the big picture and say, oh, you know, that's where I'm going. And and then you just strike out in that direction. But I tell people a lot of times, you know, if you're just heading in that direction and you don't have any way of any guidance, you're going to go a lot, take, make a lot of long turns and go in a lot of wrong directions. But if you have a GPS that you can put those coordinates in, you could get there a lot faster. So that's where business coaches and coaches like you and I come in is we can be their GPS. We can help them and guide them along that path that we've been on. And it's, it's very important to have a plan to write the plan down and then work the plan every single day. Allows you to measure progress. 
Yes, absolutely. And a lot of people don't have a way of measuring progress. And then they, you know, they look at, you know, or they'll just measure it by one thing, which is generally the money. You know, they look at the money and they're like, oh, well, I'm not succeeding because I haven't made any money. Well, most businesses don't make a profit for the first couple of years that they're in business. And then you, and then you break even, and then you start going towards the positive side. So you have to have a way to measure that progress in anything you do, I think. Couldn't agree more, uh, Elizabeth. Uh, being able to measure is uh, extremely important. There's an old saying, uh, if you can count it, you can measure it. If you can measure it, you can manage it. And yes. seen that proven time and time again. But you mentioned that it's easier to see the big picture, and it is for most people. And, of course, striking out for that big picture without a map plan, it's easy to take a wrong turn. And sometimes we take a wrong turn and we don't notice it. Have you recognised that in anything? Oh, Absolutely. I mean, I've taken plenty of wrong turns <laughs> and then especially raising kids. I took lots of wrong turns raising them. And then I'd have to say, well, wait a minute, we got to back up and do something else. But even in business, you know, I've, I've tried to go too fast or tried to go too far and, and was really bad about judging myself as a failure too quickly and saying, oh, well, I, you know, I decided I was going to do this and it didn't work out exactly how I planned. So I'm a failure. And you have to realize that those failures are what you learn from. You don't learn from the successes generally. It's the failures that you learn from. Edison said, you know, he, he failed, what, a thousand times trying to make a light bulb, but he only needed to succeed once. So you just keep trying until you get the right formula. And, of course, you're right. It's all those failures. If you analyse them accurately and correctly, it becomes much easier to find the the right way, even though, as Edison said, it took him a thousand times. uh, Lots of the things that we do take lots of effort to get there. And if we don't know, we've either got to ask somebody else who might already have done the journey And sometimes that doesn't work. So we've got to figure these things out for ourselves. So in speaking to people out there in the big bad world and uh, encouraging those people, what have you noticed about how quickly we, as the the audience, if you will, can uh, accept the messages that you're giving? I use a lot of different techniques to get my messages across. I do obviously a lot of storytelling because I think people really learn from examples of people who have been there and done that and been through something. I also use a lot of props. So if I, and so I think that having something concrete for them to see or to look at gives them a, a, a point of reference that they can remember later on. So as an example, as I have these emoji beach balls and I talk about life throwing you curveballs, and I actually throw those at the audience. And so they remember having that ball hurled at them. 
and it's just a blown up beach ball. It won't hurt them, but it helps them remember that, you know, that life is going to throw you curveballs and you have some choices. You can choose to duck. You can choose to run. You can choose to sit there and take it, but you have to be able to adjust and adapt as life throws you curveballs. And obviously I've had a few curveballs thrown at me and I've had to adjust and adapt over time. <laughs> so choices is what it's all about. If we get to make good choices, do we get uh, better outcomes? If you make better, if you make good choices, you get better outcomes, but you got to make bad choices too, so that you learn from them. You know, I, I'm, I, with my kids, I was one of the things is letting them make a bad choice and suffer the consequences because that's the lessons that they had to learn because they're also Cajun and stubborn like me too. So. <laughs> So, you know, even with my clients, I have to let them learn from their mistakes. They'll be, no, 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 I don't want to do it that way. Okay, go ahead and do it your way. And then they have to learn that, that you know, that might not be the right way to do it. And then again, it might have been the right way to do it for them. And then I have to adjust my coaching around what they want and around what works for them. So this building and creating communities requires choice and adjustment and uh, maneuvering. Yes. When you're working with people, it's always adjusting and maneuvering and, and figuring out because you, you're dealing with all these different personalities and different people and different styles and different learning styles and work styles and backgrounds. And so you have to, you have to be adjustable. You have to be flexible. There's, I mean, if you're not, you're in a world of hurt because you're always, you're always stressed out and upset. You have to be able to adjust and adapt. What do you think it is that allows uh, a person like yourself to, to be able to see the broad differences that there are in people and uh, find common ground, notwithstanding the differences? I think what has helped me is my husband being in the military and we've moved so much that I have been all over the country and traveled overseas quite a bit. And so you, you, everybody's different and people don't realize that a lot about the United States, but it is such, so diverse from living in Louisiana to going to Massachusetts and even the language and the styles and the, the just normal things that you think are normal. And so you learn to adapt and you learn, you know, and I, I love people. I'm just, I'm a people person. That's why I love speaking and I love doing book signings and book tours. And I love that because I love to meet people and interact with people and learn about people. So that's just, that's my strength is, is P as being a people person. So I think you have to, you know, what's made me be able to be adaptable and learn about people is, just the more people you meet, the more you learn. You Getting never in stop the mix learning. and going with the flow. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Not being so set in your own ways and thinking that you're always right. Listening to somebody else's point of view, somebody else's opinion, and taking that into consideration in what you're doing and what the decisions that you're making. And I think that makes a good leader. 
Mm, sounds, it's like uh, recognising that uh, you don't know all the answers. No, I have. Oh, absolutely not. I, I, I do not know all the answers. I don't want to know all the answers because then that means I have to know all the questions too. I don't want to know all the questions <laughs> or the answers. But I like, I love to learn. So I'm constantly learning at whether it's learning from reading or studying or talking to people and learning from them. I'm, I'm a constant learner. So I like to look at people and listen to people and learn what they've been through, what their experiences are and, and, try to adapt who I am and try to change who I am. I try to always be making myself better. And I think that's, that's important. Yes. Perfect. Perfect idea. Let's make ourselves better and the world might follow. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But you've had, uh, you've had an interesting life, uh, Elizabeth, with uh, getting knocked down and getting back up. How do you manage I'm so young. back up? And I'm so young to have had such an interesting life. <laughs> I tell people I feel like I've lived 200 years in the 50 that I've been here. <laughs> but um, it, it's yeah, it's been it's been it's been interesting, and you know I just keep getting back up. So what repeat you your think, question. What do you think drives you to continue getting back up and and rebuilding or or building again, if not rebuilding? I want to make the world a better place. I, I really want to make the world a better place. And I want to see other people live their dreams and succeed. And by helping them do that, then I get to live my dreams and succeed. So I, you know, Zig Ziglar, you know, if you help enough people get what they want, you get what you want. And so that's kind of the course that I try to set my life on. I, I, I just, I'm not the kind of person who can just sit around and do nothing. I come from a long line of very strong, independent, stubborn women who just keep going when the odds are stacked against us. And I guess I, maybe it's in our blood. Maybe it's learned from watching them. I also come from a long line of entrepreneurs back to my great, great grandparents. And so I, I think part of it's in your blood and part of it is just, um, just a drive to make the world a better place. It's a very good description. I think, have you noticed that there's a, a difference between those that we call entrepreneurs and others, or are we all the same and just heading in different paths? Oh, there's definitely a difference. Definitely a difference. I like my husband. He loves going to work. He loves working for the military. He loves going out there. He likes the, the, I guess the routine of it and all of that. I hated it. I hated going to a job every day. I, and if I went, when I did work, I worked as a bookkeeper and I would go into a company that had their books were just a mess and I would spend months cleaning up the mess. And then once the mess was cleaned up, I'm ready to move on and go clean up another mess because I just, I like to just put out fires, I guess. <laughs> but I think that, that entrepreneurs have a distinct a distinct way about us, a distinct spirit, a distinct way of thinking 
that um, a lot of people don't. All of my two, my two daughters have no desire to be entrepreneurs, but my son has talked about having his own business since he was five. So I really do think part of it is inborn in you. And part of it is the example that you look up to too. But if we are entrepreneurs, we can take a leaf out of your book and remember that you, whatever the adversity, get up and have another go. Yes, exactly. You know, failure is never the end. Failure is just a lesson and a stepping stone to the next, to the next place you're going. So if, you know, if you get knocked down, you might need to take a little break, take a rest. Hopefully it's not 12 years because that really wasn't my plan either. <laughs> it's just kind of the way it worked out. But, you know, I, I got back up. I, I actually had a doctor tell me, I told her, I said, I'm supposed to be speaking and coaching and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And she said, well, you're just going to have to find a way to do that from bed because, you know, you're just not ever going to get out of the bed. And I said, that is not a good enough for me. I will not accept that answer. You're fired. Goodbye. And I left and I found another doctor because if I, I'm not going to have somebody in my, in my circle that is bringing me down and tell and being negative. That doesn't help me at all. I want somebody that's going to support me and say, well, I don't know if you can do it, but I'll, I'm going to help you in any way I can. That's definitely the sort of support that you, you want to have. And I know we could go on and talk about this for hours more, but uh, we're coming to the, towards the end of our conversation. So a couple of really good tips from you. What is the best tip, Elizabeth, that you have received from a business conversation? The best thing that anybody has ever told me, and it is so true, is be patient is just wait and and just keep working keep trying keep going and be patient because it does not happen overnight you do not achieve success overnight some people do and they're very fortunate and it's probably sheer luck that they did most of us have to continually work at it so just continually put effort into whatever it is that you're doing every day and be patient and you will see the hard work pay off if you just keep at it. Yes, I'm reminded, uh, as you say that, of many, many um, rock stars and the like who are overnight successes, who have been doing it for 20 years and more before they were an overnight success. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So before we let you get away, what is the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today? Get a guide. Find yourself someone that is further down the road than you and let them help you, guide you on the journey because you will have fewer setbacks and fewer failures and take fewer wrong turns if you have somebody that's, a, that's ahead of you. I have a coach. I've had a coach for years. I have, I've had speaking coaches and business coaches, and I always have a coach in my life because they help me 
be better. They help me learn and they help me, they help direct me when I maybe would have gone way out of the way in the wrong direction. If I, if I can just, if they can get me to listen to them and follow <laughs> their direction. <laughs> All part of the learning process, Elizabeth. <laughs> yes. And if we, and we never stop learning. I think, you know, you should never stop learning anyway. You should be learning up until you take your last breath as far as I'm concerned. Yes, and uh, and perhaps most importantly, learning whose turn it is to learn. Yes. <laughs> but most importantly, before we let you get away, Elizabeth, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? Um, at elizabethclamon.com is my website, and that's C-L-A-M-O-N. Elizabeth with a Z, C-L-A-M-O-N. And they can email me at elizabeth at elizabethclamon.com or find me on any of the social media at Elizabeth Clamon. I'm, I just branded myself with my name. So at Clamon is an unusual enough name. I figured it would probably stick with people. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So that's uh, elizabethclamon.com. And yes. Elizabeth is with the normal spelling with a Z or a Z. And Clayman is C-L-A-M-O-N, ElizabethClayman.com. Elizabeth, this has been great having a conversation with you because you're absolutely full of fun and you are definitely driven. So I've appreciated this very much and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I've had a great time even though it's midnight where I am. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go doze off, but I, can, I stayed up and stayed bright and awake for you. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enova. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favorite podcast app. And you can find more business resources at cliveenova.com.au. 